We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome in everybody to the saturday edition of the pack a day podcast i am eli berkovitz here with janelle Mackey, as always here to break down everything going on with the packers here with the pack a day podcast obviously We're going to be talking about Thursday night's loss to the Detroit Lions, a a tough game top to bottom. But uh, me and Jen are here to break down, you know, the game, take what we thought were some of the bigger takeaways from that game. Before we get into all that, Jen, how are you doing? Um, I'm not sure if we were, I think we might have missed each other the last couple of weeks. So it's been, you know, a little bit since we've been back here on the Pack Day podcast. So how are you doing? And yeah, how, how was your Thursday night? Was it as fun as mine? What do you mean? How am I doing? No, we're actually, um, for those listening, we are recording this on Thursday night, which I'm glad because I don't ever want to have to think about this game after today. So I'm glad that we're recording our takeaways right after so that I don't have to think about this game tomorrow and I can just enjoy my Friday as we record this. So yeah, I mean, it started off so positive. First drive, Rudy Ford gets the interception, and you think life is good, and it's just going to be one of those kinds of games. And then that was really the only positive thing that happened until the end of the third quarter. There was just – there was no life, and it was truly one of those everything that could go wrong is going wrong kind of situations where nobody was playing well, nobody was showing up, like with you know a few exceptions because obviously there is, is a few players who – um came and did their job and I was impressed with, but not, you know, it takes more than one or two players doing their job to be able to win a game. And Detroit came out, they were ready. They just, they had a really good fire in them and they look like a legit football team. As bad as we looked, they looked really good too. So I think it was just kind of, you know, a double-edged sword where they were playing really well and we were playing really bad. And that just caused for a lot of trouble. And we just dug that hole really early going down 27-3 going the half. And that's really hard to come back from. And I, I don't want every week to have to rely on some kind of miracle comeback. Uh, so, you know, I just, I would love if the team would just get hot in the first quarter and stay hot instead of waiting 
till the end of the third quarter and then thinking, yeah, maybe let's let's get it turning, let's figure it out, and then maybe try and make something worth in the fourth because it's just you can't do that, especially against better teams. Like it's weird to say better teams like Detroit, but Detroit is kind of becoming one of those better teams, and we knew that early on in the season as they you know kicked off their season beating the Chiefs. So um, I think the Lions might kind of be gaining a little bit more respect in the league now, but there's still no excuse for how poorly the Packers showed up at Lambeau. Yeah, 100%. Lions, it is. It is obviously odd to think about the Lions as a potentially good team, but they clearly are. I mean, I think we knew that already last year, and they've only gone to prove that more through four games so far this year. But I think you kind of already alluded to one of our takeaways that we're going to be getting to. So let's just dive into this first one. It's kind of what you mentioned when it comes to this is two games in a row now where the first half is, I mean, not not like, oh, those weren't great first halves. I mean, we're talking about some of the worst football I've seen in those in the last two first half that the Packers have played. Like between the Saints with obviously no points, but also penalty after penalty after penalty, just looking like, like a high school to go out and do what you, after that, to go what you just did on Thursday night, going and, you know, being down 27 to three, you can't stop anything. You can't move the ball whatsoever. The offensive line, terrible. The play calling, I mean, right off the bat. So one of our key takeaways in this game is coaching and just how I think top to bottom, this was the worst coach game that I can remember watching. And I think this game comes down to coaching more than anything. There was bad execution but the coaching set them up to fail from the get-go. And to start it off, like Jen mentioned, you got the Rudy Ford interception, everything's looking great. You come out with three straight passes, and not only three straight passes, but not nothing quick, not a screen, not a little quick uh, out route to Jaden Reed, just three long-developing five-step drop passes against a great pass rush. When you have an injured offensive line, what are you doing? Why is that how you're starting the game? You go three and out immediately, whatever, you kick the field goal. But after that interception, you want to put seven points up on the board early and set the tone for the game. You don't do that. You come out, you get the ball next drive, down 7-3, three straight passes again, three and out. And that was basically just what the whole first half ended up being. Aaron Jones doesn't touch the ball till about 10 minutes left in the second quarter. The Packers don't get their first first down by penalty, not even by yardage, but by penalty, until seven minutes left in the second quarter. So, Jen coaching obviously a real issue in this game what for you was you know who who had the worst coaching performance was LaFleur, Barry, Passaccia, Stenovich I mean what for you was like the most egregious out of really a lot of bad performances yeah I mean it's you know usually Barry wins it uh hands down you know consecutive weeks but I just there was something about the offense that was just really driving me nuts. And one of the earlier plays where Jones was involved when um, I can't remember exactly how it got set up, if it was a pitch or something to the right side and realist, like really he just kind of was left out to dry, took a hit low. Jordan Love also took a weird hit on that play. That was on um, a triple option when they were yeah. down by 18. Which yeah. is and I'm like, we have Aaron Jones, who's playing his first game since his hamstring injury, and you're going to put him out there. He took that, you know, the Lions hit hard, and they hit him low, and he kind of, you know, toppled over himself. And I was like, oh, my gosh, bad things are happening. It's like, why are you, why are you trying to run that? Jordan Love also took a hit 
Um, so you kind of just put your two most important offensive players that you have kind of just out in a in a way to kind of get hurt and then didn't even gain anything from it. So um, just kind of things like that where it's like, yeah, you're trying to get creative, but the things that you're doing are not and not, like you don't need to go crazy. You can just simplify it to be able to get those first downs. So I think, you know, with the offensive line, and we'll kind of touch on that as one of our takeaways as well. But um, it was just we needed to get quicker plays off and the blocking was just not there. So to be able to try and, you know, get tricky, get creative, like leave that to the Lions to do that. We know that's their thing. They like to kind of make those and they didn't even have to do that against us today. Um, so I think it was just kind of, you know, not making the adjustments to the offensive line, like to the lack of protection from the offensive line, needing to scheme things that were quicker. Jordan Love spent a lot of time on his butt, um, you know, and it's it's hard to fault Jordan Love when he's not even given the opportunity to go out and make an error because of how quickly the pass rush was getting to him. So I think there was just adjustments that needed to be made to, to correspond with that offensive line. And those adjustments were not made. There was just a lot of really, you know, poor play calls that resulted in negative yards or, um, you know, there's just Jordan Love wasn't getting the opportunities he needed. So they needed to kind of find a way to, make the game a lot quicker to, you know, kind of make up for the lack of protection. Um, so, yeah, just doing all those weird things with Aaron Jones and trying to get him involved in those ways and not just letting Aaron Jones be Aaron Jones or anything like that, which is hard, again, because of the offensive line at hand here. But just they're kind of just going out there trying to be a team that they're not almost. Um, so offense, I really didn't like a lot of the scheming. And then it got a lot better later in the game, you know, Jordan Love kind of found that fire. Things were starting to to hit it off, but it it gets to the point where it's too little too late. And then you just kind of look at the defense and my gosh, there were times where I don't even think that our guys were trying to make a tackle and they easily run for like 11 yards up the middle untouched. So I think there's just a lot of frustration there. Um, the run defense continues to be a problem. We saw that, you know, Montgomery comes in and their rushers had 211 yards on the ground. Montgomery had three touchdowns. So it's just the inability to stop that. And you know, a couple weeks ago when they faced Bijan Robinson, it's kind of like, okay, this is Bijan Robinson. He, this is kind of who we thought he'd be and just weren't ready for it. But you've had time to prepare for this. So that was extremely frustrating. Just didn't seem like there was really any aggression. Um, trying to, you know, get up on the line, make those stops with the exceptions of, you know, on that defense. I did highlight Quay and Gary. Those were two guys that really did stand out to me who came in and really seemed like they they were the ones doing their job. And I know, you know, a lot of people want to blame Quay at the end there, but I'm not going to let that one uh, be problematic. I've, I'm not going to look at this game and see everything that Quay did. And he, you know, I think he had, you know, close to 20 tackles in this game. So um, there were players that showed up, but the schemes all around offense, defense, and then there was even some mental errors on special teams that, you know, don't know if you can necessarily blame that on Basaccia, but still it's just the team was not disciplined today, not executing. The schemes were bad. So it was just really all around poor execution from all aspects of everybody. So I don't know if I can even give it to Barry this week as being the worst coach, but 
um yeah everyone gave him a, a run for his money that's for sure yeah it was it was definitely a competition it was like kind of like the hold my beer meme it was like wait, you just that was really dumb Watch right this. yeah <laughs> you have no idea how dumb we can get tonight so 100 percent uh like you said it's almost it's hard it's hard to know where to point your finger at first but you kind of looked at the offense and defense and I just it's hard not to point out the Quay Walker penalty obviously at that point in the game sure of course it was unlikely the Packers make a comeback and win but they would have been down 13 with nine minutes left that's plenty of time to go and score two potential touchdowns or at least you get the chance you have some hope to maybe make some kind of wild comeback that penalty obviously ended the game right there. And it was I'm I, not saying it wasn't a bad penalty, but we shouldn't have had to be in the position where that's a make or break penalty. We're trying to block a field goal to give your team a better chance is like, oh my gosh, that's the game. You know, it it was No, it I was, agree. Like, obviously they, they put themselves like I said, you know, I didn't think it was like, oh. You don't do that. They they kick that field goal and you move on. They're going to win the game. But bottom line is they go and you still have a chance if they hit that field goal. But the, the real issue with it is that it doesn't matter what's happening. Like that, you're not allowed to jump over the center. That was outlawed years ago. And like everyone should know that. So either Quay Walker does not know that for some reason. And then that that is when it all of a sudden kind of goes to Passaccia because it's like, how are you the special teams coach? And you are not having your players know an extremely basic rule when it's like, you cannot do that. Like, if you were able to do that, everyone would be doing it. So clearly you're not allowed. So either Bisacci didn't tell it to him or teach it to him, which is disturbing, or he knew it and he just forgot, which, I mean, to me seems more unlikely. It seems like he just simply did not know the rule, which would look back at coaching, and that is very frustrating to see. But, yeah, overall – the coaching tonight it was just it was it was not it was not close to on par to win a game in the NFL but you kind of alluded to our next takeaway which was the offensive line which was it was just putrid uh plain and simple there's no other way to look at it Jordan Love had absolutely no time to set up to try to do anything he got sacked five times he got hit uh got five times. that's amazing <laughs> yeah exactly you would think it's more Hit 11 times, sacked five times. It was just nonstop, unrelenting pressure, and it was it was from everywhere. Every, like, all spots of the offensive line were bad tonight. Rasheed Walker, after two great games, had a bad performance. Royce Newman, I can't believe it, bad performance. Josh Myers, not great. John Runyon had maybe his worst game as, as, as an NFL player, which, I mean, he's been very good for a while, so that's unfortunate to see. And Zach Tom understandably struggled very much with Aiden Hutchinson. So I was going to say Aiden Hutchinson, you heard that name a lot tonight, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, he's a freak, no doubt about it, but it almost kind of goes into the coaching again, where it's like, they just didn't even seem prepared at all for what this pass rush can do. They were not helping them out with tight ends or running backs. They were not helping them out with running the ball or getting the ball out quick or play action. It was just awful. It was like what we were facing a great pass rush with an injured offensive line. The absolute worst thing you can do is go out and try to throw the ball 50 times down the field and win that game. That is a game you slow down, you run the ball, and but against behind this offensive line, they could not block for the pass. So, Jen, I guess my question is going forward, like how concerned are you 
considering the fact that David Bakhtiari is out for the year. You know, obviously very unfortunate news. So we're going to have, you know, Walker is going to be the guy at left tackle, and we don't know when Elton Jenkins is coming back. So how concerned are you about this line protecting Jordan Love, at least for the next few games or till Jenkins back? We don't know when. Yeah, there there is definitely a lot of concern after watching tonight. Um, like I had mentioned, Jordan Love, you know, I saw some people wanting to blame this game on him, but like I had said, I don't know how you can blame the game on Jordan Love when he hardly had a chance to even make errors because of how, you know, quickly that pass rush was getting to him. So and the Lions have had time to build up this pass rush and they're really good at what they do. Um but I mean, it's just, it makes you really, really nervous to have Jordan Love behind a line like that, that can't protect him, that um, maybe can't create those holes for the run game. Um, I think it just, it you have to play the game quicker if your offensive line is not going to be able to block. I mean, they set up for that Hail Mary at the end, and I was like, there's no way. They're not going to be able to block long enough for the receivers to get down the field into the end zone. and. You know, I think that was one of the most confident things I have ever watched during football where I'm like, I know that there's no way that he's getting this ball off and he did get sacked. And usually I'm the very optimistic, positive one. Um, so when even I can figure that out, that's when it's bad. So it it does pose some questions and you hope that, you know, there's a nice long 11 days between the Thursday night game and then getting to turn around and play the Monday night game. So I think that's going to be really beneficial in, you know, some of these guys who are banged up, being able to get a little healthier. Um, Like I said, don't know the timeline for Elton Jenkins, obviously Bakhtiari. Now that he's on IR, we know that, um, you know, he's going to miss a certain amount of time. So I think at least hopefully you can get guys healed up, prepare them better for the role that they'll be starting in, because I don't know how quickly they knew whether, or not, they were going to have certain players tonight. Um, And again, it is a short week, so the turnaround is a little different. So I think there's, you can only do so much with the talent that you have, but I think that there's better ways to prepare to be successful behind a struggling line. And the game was just too slow. Guys weren't getting open. Jordan Love couldn't find guys in the time that he had. So hopefully this line can pick it up a little bit and be a little bit better um, going into the Monday night game. But I don't know. It, it just makes me so nervous because you don't want to see a quarterback take that many hits. Um, And, you know, Jordan love is young, so he's not as frail as, you know, if we were watching Aaron Rodgers behind this line, but still it just, it makes you really nervous because you don't want to risk your quarterback getting hurt or, um, you know, obviously that's worst case scenario, but, there's a lot of things, there's a lot more opportunity for things to go wrong when your quarterback is consistently taking contact from the opposing defense. So um, it's going to, it makes me a little nervous, but I do have faith in the talent that is on this team to be able to get it figured out to at least make it, you know, manageable to be able to find a little bit of that success. Um, And I think that they did get away with a lot of holding calls tonight as well in some situations. So I don't know if they'll be able to get away with that going forward. So just making sure that they're, they're disciplined in what they're doing so that not only are they allowing Jordan love time and protection, but they're also not costing yardage by holding to try and do so. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So you guys really need to make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Pizza is the ultimate game day food. There is no question about it. If there's one thing that rivals my love for the Green Bay Packers and my love of football, it's my love of pizza. And right now you can actually order online during their pizza pizza pregame. It's one hour before NFL games and you can get ready for football, fun, choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings that you crave. Me, this is going to sound weird. I know because you know uh, my pickiness with food. I love mushroom and onion. That is my absolute favorite pizza. I know it's probably not everyone else's. And of course, you know you love my food takes, but I love mushroom and onion pizza. I love it from Little Caesars. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone's going to score with convenient delivery. They also have their in-store pizza portal. So you can pick up, you can grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Trust me, you're going to love it. And, And if I have to recommend one thing for sure, have to get the crazy bread. The crazy bread is an absolute must. Enjoy it. Enjoy your game day and enjoy it more with Little Caesars. Fellas, are you running into some stubble trouble? Are you dreaming of that clean shaven look, but hate going through the hassle of a wet shave every other day? I know you are. That's why we've partnered with Manscaped. The brand for below the waist is coming to save that beautiful face. Yes, sir. Manscaped now has beard products and is going a step further with the launch of their brand new handyman electric face shaver. It's designed to give your face that smooth and chiseled finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Make sure to join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Head over to manscaped.com and use code PACKADAY for 20% off and free shipping. You may have noticed my recently cleanly shaved face over on the YouTube channel, and that perfect shave was brought to you by Manscaped's Handyman. The best part is I was able to get the exact shave I wanted without any of the usual mess of traditional shavers. I've also used their signature Beard Hedger, which is a juggernaut of fixing faces. You can trim your beard to 20 different lengths all in one guard, so using this thing is amazing and basically it's perfect. No matter what tool you use, you can't go wrong with Manscaped's line of products. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code PACK a day at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code packaday. That's P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y, no hyphens. Hit that refresh button with the handyman. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, 
Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using Prize Picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing, and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, uh, bottom line, the offensive line needs to, and it just needs to perform not just better, but way better than we saw tonight. It's not the standard we've been used to seeing, but there are going to be good pass rushes that you see throughout the season, and you cannot just have games where it's like, oh, well, if we're facing a team with no real pass rush, we should be okay. But the first time we have a test, we're going to not just collapse, we're going to completely collapse like in spectacular fashion. It just can't happen. So that obviously needs to get fixed up. And then last but not least, once again, what a surprise. Here we are talking about the Packers' run defense. Just a pathetic, pathetic showing. The Packers allowed, I believe the number was, what was it, 211 rushing 211. yards? Yes, 211. But you would know that because he's on your fantasy bench. <laughs> yes, exactly. David might so like the nice silver lining of this game is that I was a great fantasy manager and benched David Montgomery. So all 33 of his points are comfortable on my bench. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm really, really thrilled with the way this night has gone. But, yeah, 211 yards given up rushing. And it's just like even when you know, when they know the other team's running the ball and you need to make the stop on the run, it just doesn't matter. It's like there's just huge holes that you can walk right through and – it's, it's, I mean, Matt LaFleur said it after the game. He said, this is his exact quote. I don't want to paraphrase it because it's a nice quote and we don't really see Matt LaFleur talk like this a lot. Um, here, we're going to have to do something different. It's insane to do the same things over and over again and expect a different result. I mean, that, that is, is the definition of insanity. Exactly. For those who don't know, that is the yes. true definition of insanity. <laughs> so, Literally, and and so I think that is the first time, or at least the first time I can remember, that he kind of spoke directly to Joe Barry, saying, hey, Joe, um, whatever it is you're doing, it's not working, and we're seeing it not just week after week. We've seen it year after year now, and Joe Barry is just like, oh, well, what are you going to do? We'll just keep trying it, and I'm sure it's going to work. Look, when it's third and three, we'll just play 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, and I bet we'll just get lucky, and he'll probably make a bad pass. Great defense, Joe. Good call. So it's, it's, I mean, it really is. It really is insanity. There's no other way. Like, I've run out of ways of saying it, ways of being creative. Plain and simple, Joe Barry needs to go. I don't care. It should have happened before the season started. I know the Packers don't like firing coaches. I don't care. I don't care. At a certain point, you need to show accountability in your organization. You cannot just be terrible at your job and have nothing happen. It's a, that's not the way the world works. So I think if for sure, if there's some debacle in, in Vegas and Josh Jacobs runs for 180 yards on us and we have the bye week, Joe Barry needs to be gone over the bye week because 
this team's not competing for a Super Bowl anyway. So figure it out. Try to find your next guy because Joe Barry is obviously not the future of that position. Jen, am I am I overreacting to this game, or do you or do you think are you are you done? Are you are you just done with Joe Barry? Yeah, I mean, I'm not the I'm not the kind of person who likes to call for people's jobs, um, but I mean, it gets to a certain point where it's just you can only take so much of the same failure over and over again. And I get it's not always Joe Barry's fault when guys are missing tackles or things like that. Like there are things that players are not executing, um, but I think that their lack of execution also makes him look bad. Like, is there just not, you know, what is going on at these practices that they, these are professional football players and they are still struggling to make tackles. And I, I feel like this has been a problem even before the Joe Barry era. Like there's just so much talent on talent on this defense. Like, I, I don't know if it's a discipline thing, what needs to happen, but there is just some moments that you watch and like our guys are so far off that you can't even see them on our screen. And it's like, I want them to be up. I want them to be playing more aggressive. And I understand that there were, I don't know what was going on with the field today, if it was wet or what the conditions might've been, because I know that, you know, Douglas slipping, that's just a fluke. That's just the nature of the game where the field gets you. So there is instances like that where things happen, but just being able to kind of be in the right spot and be aggressive and, um, you know, not allow the catch at get the first down and then make the tackle. No, I want them to be more prevent and make those stops. And I, I don't understand what the issue, like how, how guys can just run up the middle the way they are when you have dudes like Kenny Clark on your line. It's just insane to me. Um, So I don't know if it's just, if they just need a change of scenery, if that would be something that would help because the talent is there. There's just a lack of execution, but there also is a problem with the scheme and kind of just the way that you're seeing guys set up. And it's almost like setting up to just stop at the first down. Like they're still getting that first down. And like we had mentioned, it's like, these running backs are basically parting the red sea of our defense and running for first downs untouched. And it's just, we're four weeks in and I'm already so over it. I just, the, there's a lot of phenomenal running back talent in this league where this defense will just continue to get eaten up and people are going to realize that we can't stop it. And that's all they're going to do. You know, you get Jared Goff who isn't some elite quarterback in the league, but he's able to lead a pretty large victory over the Packers at home. And a lot of that is success with his run game. So I, yeah, I just, the defense is, there's a lot of really good things that we see from them, but it's not consistent enough. And I want to be able to rely on the defense to get the stop when they go out there and not have to fear, Oh my gosh, I hope they can only hold them to a field goal. Um, yeah. See, I mean, there's there's a lot of changes I think that to need to be made, and I think a lot. You know, there is the player coaches balance of things, but I yeah, I just don't know if what we're seeing is working, and a lot of that does have to come down to coaching. And if your players aren't executing properly, you need to do something about that because it's yeah, we're just seeing the same thing over and over again. So you either need to 
stick guys, put guys in different spots, like figure something out because you can't just rely on, oh, well, maybe this time it'll work when it hasn't worked the last three weeks. Yeah, the, for me, and something that, I don't know, maybe maybe I only started noticing it more over, I feel like I started noticing it more over the last few weeks last year and then the first few weeks this year, but it's been a theme always with Joe Barry, and we always call it the bento break, but but he what he is basically doing with his defense, it is saying, def- offenses, you take as many yards as you want on any play. We will just give you the underneath, and I think his thought process is, we're going to force an offense to do a 12-play drive, and we'll give them three, four, five yards on every single play and just hope at some point in those 12 plays, there's either a sack or a pick or something happens and they get off the field. He is not doing anything on the aggressive side to go and stop the offense from getting things done. It's either Rashawn Gary rips past the tackle and gets a sack or Kenny Clark makes some crazy play in the middle. But if that doesn't happen, they're giving up points. It's like you said, it's like we're just hoping – at least it's only a field goal. Just don't be a touchdown. But if we do not get some kind of sack or big tackle for loss out of one of our two stars, a Gary or Clark, for the most part, they're giving up long drives, long sustained drives that result in points. So it's just – it's very frustrating when, again, this isn't just like a new thing. We've been seeing it for – I mean, really, as long as Joe Barry's been with the Packers. So hopefully we saw, we see – some amount of change uh, at some point, whether it's with the coaching or whatever it is, just it needs to change. You can't keep doing this. But Jen, before we I go really, out, I know there are. I was gonna say, I really wish we would have had a more positive, like. No, well, I was about to get to the positives. I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say we, we can't only. There has to be at least positive. one positive. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, of course. So I was gonna say, look, those were our three takeaways, and unfortunately, they're all negative. The bottom line is, when you lose a game like that. You're going to have negative takeaways. But that, and those three takeaways, of course, being the coaching, offensive line, and defensive line. But now, just a couple of bright spots throughout the game. Jen, for you, uh, you know, who was that player that, for you, at least you can go to sleep tonight knowing he, he looked good? Yeah, I already kind of talked about Quay, but I was, I was so happy watching Quay. He seemed to be involved in a lot of really big plays. Um, obviously there was a lot of issues with tackling and all, all that kind of stuff, but he did, I think he showed up really well tonight. And like I'd mentioned, you know, he had the, the incident jumping over the line on the field goal, but a game shouldn't have to come down to that penalty anyways. So yeah, he made, he made a mistake. It happens. I know there's a lot of people who are absolutely enraged on Twitter, um, absolutely unnecessary in my opinion, you know, cause I think it's just because it's Quay that people are overreacting that way. Um, he didn't cost us the game and realistically nobody cost us this game. It was a team effort. So, um, I still really enjoyed the way that Quay had showed up from what I could see. Um, I just, he, he made a lot of really big tackles, big hits. He just seems really strong in his tackling. Um, obviously nobody's going to go out there and play a perfect game, but damn near he did so it was really fun to watch him and I think he's just really coming to his own this season you kind of just look at his four game portfolio um, after kind of a rough rookie year um, just with you know the issues that happened during the season so it's really been fun to kind of watch him come into his own as the player that he is and just you know we see him meditating before, before the game 
he comes in, he makes some big plays. So obviously every player has things that they can clean up. Even the best players are going to make mistakes. It happens. So I've just, I've really enjoyed watching him. And I also think we need to really touch on Carlson. Um, it's as weird as it is. Like we need to talk about the kicker here because obviously he had a really rough time in the off season, making his field goals. We were really concerned about his accuracy, what he'd be able to do, but he's come in and he's done his job. And, you know, in the few moments that we've needed him in games like this, you know, he, he comes out and gets the points. So I think it's really important to kind of notice that, you know, the off season was really brutal for him getting used to everything, but he's been able to come out and perform and kind of get those extra points on the board for us, even if, you know, maybe they don't matter in games like this so much, but, you know, I think it's good to see him kind of having that confidence because that could have easily been lost in the off season and we could have been shopping a new kicker, but four games in, um, I don't know if he's missed yet. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he he's looking pretty good in the situations that he's been in. So those are kind of the two players. And, you know, obviously we could talk about Gary all day. I love Gary. Everything about Rashawn Gary makes me so emotional. He just plays the game with so much passion and you can see it game in and game out. Um, He's just a menace. So it's awesome to see him come back from that injury. So those are just a couple of the bright spots for me watching a game like this. There's still obviously a lot of glimmers of hope. Um, And I'm sure you're probably going to have more offensive guys to talk about because I think you had kind of mentioned a few of them. So why don't you you, uh, let me know your guys here? Yeah, uh, but I do think, yeah, I mean, with Quay Walker, obviously, penalty is disappointing, but when you have 19 tackles in a game, that is a damn good night. So that that is great to see. I do think the Packers have a really good player that is just going to get better and better, obviously, only in the second year. But, yeah, for me, uh, I wish I could say Aaron Jones, but, look, when you get five carries and two targets and you're the best player on the team – what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What a what a what a what a great game plan! But yeah, I just wanted to real quick just mention Romeo Dobbs, someone that I've been high on since we drafted him in all off season. I was telling people he's going to be right next to Watson, if not even potentially surpassing him in certain stats tonight. Thirteen targets, nine catches, ninety-five yards. Anytime Love needed to get get yardage and make a play, he was there for him, and he just. He just has that security blanket feeling to him where his hands, he makes all of these catches with his hands. He's so safe with it. And it's really, really nice to see that Love is finding his his just go-to, oh, I'm panicking, here's my guy. I do think, obviously, Christian Watson is still Christian Watson, and he has that star potential. But I think basically found his, you know, it's third and four. Where am I going? Where's Romeo? So that is exciting to see. But Those 87s that, are always reliable. Exactly. I was I was I was gonna wait for you to to tie in the 87. Yeah. I had no doubts about it. But that basically covers again what was a very frustrating game. I which, do one more thing. Mm-hmm. Like Samari Toure out yes. of nowhere. I think that's a very you know just the game is kind of over at that point but he comes in and he just makes this amazing sideline snag over the defender and just well, that was a know. very that was that was a really impressive guy i 100 percent thought it was a pick so yeah and in real time i was like no way in hell did he catch that ball like there's not a chance oh. and then the replay i'm like oh my god yeah he, he caught that that was very impressive 
Yeah. So I think you're kind of, you're kind of talking about Dobbs and, you know, obviously Dobbs has really come into his own and it's fun to kind of see him develop. Um, but I think just this wide receiver core as a group, um, I think they're going to be really special. They're really young, but there's a lot of good talent there. I mean, Reed has been really fun to watch Watson. He was able to finally get on the field tonight. Dobbs is really, you know, kind of taking that leadership role as the receiver. And then you get Toure who can come in and just make a big play like that. So I think there's a lot of really good potential in that wide receiver group. Um, you just have to protect Jordan Love long enough for him to find them downfield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That will be key going forward. You protect Jordan Love. I think this Packers team can put up points and potentially win a decent amount of games, but it all stops, starts up front as it always does in the NFL. So Jen, just before we head out, um, just to let everyone know where they can find you and all of your incredible work throughout this Packer season. Yeah, obviously here on Pack Day every Saturday uh, with you and typically Matt, but um, some scheduling conflicts this week prevented us from all being together. Lucky Matt not having to talk about this game. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, just follow me on Twitter at Big Mac underscore four for a lot of my a lot of my personal takes. And then as well with you and Zach over on the Pack. Um, a lot of good stuff going on there, even if I'm not always very present in it. Um, you and Zach always do a really good job. So those are kind of the three different places you can find me. Um, yeah, I think that's really all I'm doing for work right now. So usually just following me on Twitter. Um, that'll be where you'll be able to see most of my content. So just make sure you're following me there and you'll get to see all the nonsense that I'm putting out. Yeah, make sure to follow Jen on Twitter. I'm sure. We will soon be getting your hockey content. Uh, right around the corner. Right around the corner. Don't that is always worry. a fun time of year. Especially now that Connor Bedard is a Blackhawk. So I hope you're ready to see the Wild lose a bunch rigged, of games. Rigged draft lottery. <laughs> I don't care. I hope it was rigged. It just makes it even cooler when we win a bunch of Stanley Cups while the Wild still can win a playoff series. Classic Minnesota team. What a bunch of chokers. you got to love it. Uh, but, Jen, you're still you're a great person. We all appreciate you. <laughs> Don't worry I about mean, it. Hey, there's professional women's hockey now, and Minnesota oh, has yes. a team. Yeah, so I'm going to have double the hockey fun here because my favorite player, Kendall Coyne, she got drafted by Minnesota, so I'm very hyped. So I have a feeling that the women's team will provide me a little bit more you know, happiness and joy than the wild might. So either way, as long as one of my teams here is doing well, that's usually enough to carry me through to the next day. <laughs> yeah, well, it won't be the wild. I'll tell you that much. Don't worry about it. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, before, yeah, so then I guess, yeah, you can just find me over on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL and my writing at HackerReport.com. And I guess if you are a degenerate like myself and you like to gamble away your hard-earned money, uh, go to bovada.com where I'll be writing a weekly, uh, my weekly locks where you will find all of my best gambling advice so we can all lose money together. Head over there to do that. And, yeah, of course, follow the show, Packaday, on Twitter. Make sure to subscribe. Leave a comment on, on you know, wherever you watch or listen to your podcasts. We appreciate you tuning in. And Jen, as always, go, go Pack, Pack Go. go.